No, villain, just, it's Dirtbag Week. No villains and no intro. Ho, 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 I'm Dirtbag Santa Claus. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Award podcast, where we look at all the various films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in all those various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Grigg, a foremost dirtbag expert. Dirtbag, you say? Huh. <laughs> what a funny change to do all of a sudden. But appropriate, because this week we're not just talking best villains, no. We're talking best on screen dirtbags, baby. I don't have more lines of that. I just kind of did that in a moment. But I did have more. Thank you, MIDI Archive on YouTube. Not sure if you took this or you actually wrote it. Either way, kind of rules. Alright. His name is Costa. He throws a major rager, goes way too far. These kids need some decent lawyers, an Irish cop at his traffic stop. But Christine is caught up with ham And she doesn't give a damn about him Cause we're doing best on-screen dirtbag, baby Not villains this week, just dirtbags, baby We don't mention Iron Maiden, baby, probably Ooh Oh man. Okay. Hmm. One's a racist. She eats a pie full of dung, and one's a rapist. I don't think I'm touching that one. There's also Colin. We cover him again. And soon he will be the penguin. The only dirtbag and villain on here. Cause we're, we're talking best on screen dirtbags, baby. baby. No villains this week, just some dirtbags, baby. We don't mention Iron Maiden, baby. Probably. Hi. Uh, that's that. That's that. That's the intro. Hi, bye. Back to the thing. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You see, in 2012, for reasons I don't know that they explain, but I have theory, theories for. Rather than do the traditional best villain category. Uh, MTV decided to rename it Best On-Screen Dirtbag. Yeah, and it uh, it's weird that, like, I think, like, most of these do fit. Um, They definitely, like, there isn't things like Voldemort or, like, you know, anything like that. Like, I feel like the, a lot of these do fit, like, the Dirtbag moniker. Yeah, there's like one of these which I would argue you could have just put into a classical best villain category, yeah. but um, but then there's others where like it 
it definitely makes more sense here because the roles aren't particularly big. Like best on screen dirtbag, I feel there's less pressure for them to yeah, be important like, to the film than like best villain. Um, I feel like you know every 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 uh every dirtbag I feel like could be a villain, but not every villain is a dirtbag. If that makes sense. Yeah. And thank God the villain from Horrible Bosses did not get on here. Um, <laughs> yeah, the real world villain. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so. The 2012 MTV Movie Awards were, of course, held on June 3rd, 2012. They were hosted by Russell Brand. The category of Best On-Screen Dirtbag was presented by Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis. One of those classic duos where I'm sure they had some movie together because this is a lot of them. Like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone did Breakthrough Performance. Logan Lerman, Ezra Miller, and Emma Watson did Best Male Performance. Um, the the one, and we talked about Best Kiss, but it's always funny, is Adam Sandler, Andy Samberg, and Leighton Meester, the stars of That's My Boy, presented <laughs> Best Kiss. <laughs> what won this year? Oh, oh yeah, we're still in Twilight mode, so Breaking Dawn yeah. Part 1 one over a couple of our movies or a couple of the best on stranger bag nominees were up for movie of the year um uh best latino yeah. actor makes a return it wasn't just a one-year thing looks like it's i wonder how many years it went for Ooh. well that's good to know when mm. we cover it though oh no parts of the caribbean on stranger tides <laughs> maybe i'll finally have to watch one of the other two parts of the caribbean movies I think that's the one you saw. I think it was Mermaids. Yeah, whichever one had Mermaids, that's the one that I've seen. Other than the ones we watched for the podcast. The MTV Generation Award went to Johnny Depp. Um, makes sense for the time. The MTV Trailblazer Award went to Emma Stone. Also makes sense for the time. Yeah. Trying to see whatever interesting things came in. Oh, this is where they did Best Gut-Wrenching Performance, which I believe... At some point, yeah, or it started as best WTF moment, then it became best jaw dropping moment, and then it just became best gut wrenching performance for the remaining years. Okay, I like that name. That feels much more like an MTV movie name. Yeah. Also, oh wow, we have to do this at some point. The nominees on here: Drive. <laughs> For which? I wonder if that's like for which movie? For which uh, performance? Oh, best music. Oh, oh no! Wait, that, no. Drive being on there is someone has someone has yeah. Okay, that is just someone uh, making some having some fun. That makes sense. But <laughs> yeah, for for me, it's on my gut wrenching performances. For me, are still uh, Bridesmaids, The Help, Twenty One Jump Street, Final Destination Five, and Ghost Protocol. Honestly, still worth covering. I love Final Destination 5. And, oh, yeah, me too. And, and the, yeah. yeah, they're a fun series. Oh, right. I'm like, and with Final Destination, but I guess it makes sense for somebody who watches Saw Kill compilation videos. <laughs> <laughs> was this, this was the end of the Twilight era. Um, yes, the end of the Twilight dominance. As you can see by Josh Hutcherson and Jennifer Lawrence uh, taking... Best male performance and best female performance for The Hunger Game. So, with... Oh, Party Rock Anthem won best music. That's... Mm, 
don't know if that's better than a real hero from Drive. I like that song. Of course it's not better <laughs> than a real hero from Drive. It's just kind of funny. You're like, oh. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think we can get yeah. into it. Um, so for best on-screen dirtbag, the nominees are Oliver Cooper, Project X, Bryce Dallas Howard, The Help, Colin Farrell, Horrible Bosses, John Hamm, Bridesmaid, and the winner, Jennifer Aniston in Horrible Bosses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I'd never seen this movie before. Um, a lot of big star-studded cast. Very cool. Yeah, this is... I feel like this is weird. I feel like this movie almost feels like the... like. It's just a it's a dirtbag movie. It's a movie about dirtbags, um, of of all different uh, of all different ilks, uh, yeah. And our I think our yeah is this our would this be our first villain? No, this isn't our first villain double nominee. I think that was that was one of the Batman's. I think a couple of the Batman's actually. That was Batman Forever. Yeah, with the Two Face yeah. and the Riddler. And it's also going to happen in another Batman movie, which yeah. we'll talk about next year. Oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of villains in them Batman movies. Yeah, yeah we we love a double nomination because it means we have less to do. Um, yeah, this is also just a really short week for movies. Just not very like I think yeah, like, yeah a good chunk of these were done in like a buck fifty, which like I'm not going to complain about. Yeah, enjoy while you can because I believe. The shortest movie next week is like two hours and thirteen minutes or something. Like, yeah, I was taking a look. There's like, a, yeah, next week is like blockbusters and pretty much ones that I feel like I think I've already seen or just like a good chunk of them. Um, so that's gonna be really really fun. And again, yeah, it's one less too. Yeah, we should have a returning guest on that one. I gotta reach out to them to make sure they still want to do it. But yeah, of course. Um, yeah, Horrible Bosses is, is a movie that I thought I had seen, um, but I think I'd just seen, like, Burn After Reading. I'm not sure if they came out around the same time, uh, but I just, I think, I think I said this last episode, I think they just had similar looking posters, and I just was like, ah, oh, if, if I've seen one, I've seen them all. Uh, but no, I had, I had never seen this movie, um, and yeah, it's a, it's a pretty funny movie, um. Charlie Day is just an incredibly funny person. He's going to be Luigi, which is awesome. Um, yeah, and um, I can't remember his name. The one guy, he's uh, from We Are the Millers. Um, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, he's also pretty good. And then, yeah, um, Jason, or Jason, Jason Bateman. Yeah, Jason Bateman. Doing the Jason Bateman thing. Yeah. yeah. Was he, wait, was he in Tag, or am I misremembering? Um, Feels like Tag had a bit of a role. You were thinking of Game Night. I am thinking of Game Night. Game Night, he's, Game Night he's really funny in, because it's like, I'm kind of doing a thing like, Jason Bateman is an actor I like a lot, whose mode often is being kind of the smug guy who thinks he's like above it all and then he's really not like it's um, it's obviously arrested development is kind of the best for for it but you know it's kind of like you know what you're getting with him but what you're getting is usually good charlie day i think is definitely the funniest part of this 
film just oh yeah he is he's absolutely hilarious he's a very 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 funny actor yeah it's another you kind of know what you're getting with him but what you're getting with him is just unhinged mania (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's definitely like yeah he definitely is in like one of the worst situations out of the main characters um yeah oh in a very like 2012 one one it's there's a running where they're like how is this a bad situation for you your boss is hot just yeah it's it is it is very very strange i guess it's like very like emblematic of the it's kind of of making fun of that sort of mindset yeah also sort of indulging in that kind of mindset like it is telling that aniston won for like Mm -hmm. because between her and feral she's definitely like worse of the two though feral is just having the time of his life being like <laughs> a real dirtbag. Yeah, like this. Yeah, I feel like you know, uh, you know, as much as it would, well, I don't think it would. I don't think it would have felt weird this week if it was still called Best Villain. But it definitely like makes more sense that it's called Best Dirtbag because this this movie is just full of just like, just like very like r- like real like very people that are bad in a very like kind of real way almost. But like not yeah. like over the top like fantasy villains or like a like a, a T Rex or something, um, yeah. And like I feel like this movie is just like um, if it if it weren't for the the actor, um, I wouldn't have minded it getting like a triple nomination. Um, yeah, and even so, Edison like, a... I think could have fit into a traditional best villain category yeah. as well, probably. Spacey over Farrell just because Farrell gets like killed partway through. Yeah, and he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't really get like. He doesn't yeah. get. He gets like a decent chunk of scenes, but like, yeah, like you said, like he gets like kind of got halfway through. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. This is just kind of like a yeah, just a super funny movie. It's just. Um, it's so weird because like i watched this after bridesmaids and um i feel like this movie because i think one of my one of my biggest critiques of like a lot of movies is that i like like i never believe that people are actually friends and i feel like this movie it's like i don't know i don't know what it is i don't know if it's just the better performance of the actors because i don't know if there's much like in the script or in the plot that helps like move it, make them feel like they're better friends or whether it was, it must, it might've just been in like the subtleties of their performance. But like, that was something that I like, took note of that. Like, I actually like, I think the main three are like, are like believable friends, you know? Yeah. Th- there's like chemistry between them. Also, it's not like they're selling that. Oh, these are our best friends. It's just like, they're friends who kind of like, bonded over they all have like shitty jobs and... yeah yeah exactly um yeah jamie fox playing a, a small but hilarious role um does some really really good bits um yeah and, yeah so it uh, doesn't top his character name being like motherfucker jones yeah <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> which was apparently originally had the more colorful name of cocksucker jones it was changed at fox's request because he felt it was over the line (laughs) probably a good call on that part just (laughs) less homophobic yeah probably i feel like they yeah i don't know 
it would have been tougher to make the the same joke that they made, you know, because like they, I think they make the joke that like it's almost implying that he did, you know, have sex with his mother, but it's just that he fucked her over. And they're like, oh, why don't you change your name to Motherfucker Over Jones? And he's like, why? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, Meghan Markle is briefly in this film as a FedEx girl, like. Oh yeah, it's like really, yeah, really briefly at the beginning, and like, um, uh, yeah, Jason Su Sudeikis character like kind of flirts with them for a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, like I don't know this this um, I think this yeah this movie did get one sequel that I've never seen, but I don't know if it got like a third. I'm not sure if the second one. Yeah, as... I think it just had the second one yeah. in which like Spacey and Aniston both kind of came back, and then I feel Chris Pine is the villain in Horrible Bosses too. Like it's, I think the plot of that one is they go into business for themselves, and then he kind of like screws them over. Yeah, or... this one has Christoph Waltz in it. So yeah, Waltz and I think Waltz and Pine are playing father and son, which already sounds funny. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna need to give this one a watch and then possibly. Uh, slip it into a host choice. Yeah. Or a follow-up. Just like yeah. how you're like, I'll watch Chocolat and tell you about it next week. Just... <laughs> I think I made up for that by watching Chocolat several times during the summer. Yeah. Also... Future Best Villain nominee Donald Sutherland is also in it briefly as like uh, as Bobby the like Colin Farrell's character's father who like... Yeah. Yeah, just for like a kind of like a brief a brief little scene um or just kind of like he's a nice guy and then he just has like a heart attack in the car <laughs> yeah and then legendary comedian bob newhart makes a cameo at the end as the ceo who like it's one of the better jo- jokes where he's like yeah now all i do is report to the ceo and then immediately there's like a guy who's just locked in his trunk <laughs> yeah that's a really good ending bit I downloaded like two other movies that were also called Project X and I never got to finish them. One of them was, I think, the monkey one that we talked about earlier. And then one was like one from like the 60s that looked really neat and it was like a sci-fi movie. I really want to give that a watch. So, But I unfortunately only got around to the actual Project X we're talking about this week. But there is a surprising amount of movies named that out there. Um, yeah, makes sense it's like project what's a cool thing for a project yeah i like that they all they all seem three of them seem to take much different approaches like one i think is um a monkey with a the guy from ferris bueller um with a monkey which is cool and then one seems to be this sort of found footage party movie and then the other one that i saw like a um seems to be about like freezing humans until they can find a cure but then also like they need to keep memories of all of them to like fill in the blanks that there's damage um all very different takes but i i will dub it the project x trilogy um or projects triple x so hopefully one day i can finish all of those yeah um but before we get into that do we have more to say on horrible bosses I'll say I do appreciate that between this and the penguin, how much Colin Farrell <laughs> just commits to like physically transforming himself. 
And he's just like he's just a good actor too. Like I think he's just doing such a good job in this movie. Like given like I feel like the role he had, I feel like had like no there was nothing really novel about it. There was nothing going for him. It seemed like a pretty a character that like could so easily have been like not lame, but like definitely nothing special. And he just like I think his performance elevated it, which was like very, very nice to see. Yeah, he's a scene stealer. Like, it's not surprising that Anison won it over him, but if he had won it, I'd be like, yeah, no, that makes sense. But I'll say Anison's also given a really strong performance. I know she's someone who uh, famously people have never really known what to do with her in movies. Like, she has her moments, but it's a lot of forgettable rom-coms and a lot of stuff just trying to capitalize on, like, Rachel and this film is like, what if she was playing a character who wasn't anything like Rachel and was instead just like really like manipulative and villainous and Yeah, like very yeah, very creepy, like a like if Harvey Weinstein was a dentist, like very, <laughs> very like you know, it's one of those again, I feel like it's again one of those things that like I feel like you're you're being given a performance that could so easily have like been not done well <laughs> and she does it really well um you know like i, I it's just i'm I, I also am really glad that like these are the two that got nominated um just because like yeah i feel like i feel like they're both like very much like scene stealers and i feel like they're putting like 110 into what they're doing um and like i'm also like I feel like I'm also really glad that I that Charlie Day got to be matched with like um with uh Jennifer Aniston because I feel like he his like delivery and like his like reaction and stuff to like that situation um is just it's just, it makes something that's just like very like off putting like just very like funny and just like I feel like this movie also like kind of like to give it credit I feel like it tells the the right kind of jokes about it um and it's like it's also like hard to tell though sometimes like how much how much lampshading you need um on it you know yeah it is definitely like intentionally like risking material and this was this was of course written by um john francis daly and jonathan goldstein who would go on to direct vacation and game night and are directing the Dungeons and Dragons movie that's going to be out in a couple months. But this definitely feels a bit in line with like vacation in terms of sort of the kind of pitch black comic sensibilities of a lot of the scenes and the premise. But yeah, Day's really good as someone who is really like the heart of the thing. And and it's nice to have him get his win at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's so it's super cathartic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's just like he's just a I I feel like I'm I'm only like I think three or four episodes into It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but like I feel like as that cast is really good, but like Charlie Day is just an especially like great actor at at like what he does. You yes, know? yeah. Um, he's just it's just very 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 entertaining. Um, I definitely want to give Horrible Bosses to a watch now, seeing how much of the returning cast is there uh, on top of like Chris Pine and um. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. I feel like that's very, very. Well, funny. they bring back Brian George as Gregory, the like voice navigation systems operator. <laughs> so just 
<laughs> that's the thing of getting a really yeah, good but... character actor to do like a part that could be nothing and then just this really funny it's like <laughs> yeah oh man yeah and like i don't know it's like a small thing but i do like that there's like um i feel like it didn't need to be but there's like a decent amount of like cohesion and like cause and effect in this kind of over-the-top like wacky comedy where like the the sort of like defiling of um of uh colin farrell's like bathroom stuff is what like is what causes something horrible to happen in the future i feel like that's like a you know i feel like that's just like a very like it's a very nice like story writing thing that like you don't really expect out of like um kind of like goofy funny things where it's like you more they're more akin to like sort of non sequiturs and things just sort of happening that are loosely connected but like that was just a nice piece of a nice piece of um like cause and effect in the story i like that yeah with that are we ready to get our party on <laughs> yeah oh man this movie this week's movies are just like so i i just got back uh yesterday from victoria um so i watched all i watched all of these movies yesterday um and then i finished up the last 20 minutes of the help earlier today um not an they it's like really hard movies to watch in an airport um it's just like a lot of nudity and like a lot of vulgar stuff happening um and this movie is probably the epitome of that and this is the one i think i watched like start to finish like at my gate like waiting to board the plane <laughs> um <laughs> always like i was always like looking over my corner hey editor ben here um i meant to say looking over my shoulder not looking over my corner. Uh, you know, nobody's perfect. I'm like covering the phone with my hand. Um, but you know what? I definitely went into this week going like, I feel like I'm not going to like this movie. It feels like it's got like, I feel like its premise is cool. And I do like a, like a found footage style party movie is like, I think it's kind of neat. But I was like, I feel like this movie is just going to fall apart in like the jokes and stuff. But I was really surprised with how much of this movie I found super duper funny. Um, like the the uncle with the gnome is just <laughs> insane and super funny. And like the two like kid security guards are hilarious. And I didn't I going in, I did not think I would like find so much of it super funny. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who I tried to get her on for the episode and then it just did not work out, but she loves this movie. Like it's, there's a series of left post reviews she has. Right? I think the first time it's like two, two point like, or three stars and a heart or something. And or like maybe even 2.5 where she's like, eh, not that good, but uh, that's an epic party. And then just watch it two more times until anyway, she's like, no, this is great. This rules. Um, I'll say my first experience of it is this same friend in our kind of like di Discord server we're in. She shared a gif, the gif of like Miles Teller dancing for a second so many times that I assumed he was like the lead or an important character in the movie. <laughs> and then found out that like this gif is like half a second in a montage and the Miles Teller, who is maybe playing himself despite not being super famous at the time or He's playing someone named Miles Teller who's, like, popular and might be the actor yeah. and is kind of the impetus of how this party <laughs> blows up. <laughs> like, 
yeah i think he is supposed to be like playing like himself like the actor that maybe like that like went to the school that the kids go to and it's like one of those things where it's like if a, if a, if a celebrity of any status like went to your high school like you know that celebrity um yeah which is funny because like his yeah, his filmography up to uh the point that he was in project x was he was in the film's Ra- independent film rabbit hole he was in like the and he was in like the remake of footloose and then yeah yeah and then, then i think he did like another um yeah and then like a brief a brief tv show appearance or something so it is not based on much which just kind of makes it funnier like his big breakout in the spectacular now is like the following year and then whiplash is the year after that okay i was man i was struggling to find out the figure out the name for the spectacular now yesterday uh glad i finally now know it (laughs) so i was trying to be like i was like what's that movie that is like reminds me of perks of a wallflower but that that i like so much less than perks of being a wallflower (laughs) a movie where Um, me you and shane all just kind of went this is yeah this is just bad like it's <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that was I guess that that would have been I think my first um Miles Teller movie I saw and I think he's been in nothing but really fun stuff since that I've seen him in. Yeah. So, yeah, but this movie anyways, I like this one a lot. This is an interesting choice for best bag because uh Costa, like the character they they're there. He is like presented as one of the lead characters. He's not like an antagonist. He's like one of the protagonist's friends. He's just kind of like a bad person. Just Yeah. I feel like this is a movie that like would have been excluded had it been best villains. Like I feel like this is one that would not have transferred over to the like the name change at all. Yeah. It it kind of would have left out because initially when I'm like, okay, so that is just him kind of like jerk at the party, and it's like, no, it, it's his friend, and he's just like a regular, like rich kid kind of like jerk who like gets off mostly saw free at the end because his parents have money to pay for lawyers <laughs> <laughs> project x this is a film where i think it's it's very fun to see things kind of spiral out of control like i think in some movies when you have a house party sequence when the parents are there like you know it's just basically this, oh no it's stuff gonna get like broken and then in this film, the stakes eventually escalate to is everything going to burn down? Yeah, I do like the I do like the sense of like scale and like destruction that is on display. Um yeah, I don't think anything like horrible or like jaw dropping happens, but um I think that's fine. I don't think there I feel like this movie's tone probably like wouldn't be able to recover from something that would be like actually like jaw dropping um but it's like it's all like very like kind of standard party stuff like the car gets ruined but i i do believe i do agree with you that like the whole like at the end when there's just like everything's burning down and everything's like horrible um that is it's just like it just becomes this like horribly like frantic scary part of the movie when they're like hiding from the guy with the flamethrower yeah so if you've ever watched Project X before, like we've mostly moved away from plot summaries, but this one, yeah, basically it's a uh, the the plot. If there is that, is it is about uh, 
kid who he, yeah, a couple of he and a couple of his friends decide to gain popularity by throwing a big party, and it works too well, and thousands of people show up to their house, and then eventually, have yeah, um, a law gnome is stolen, which contains drugs, and eventually a drug dealer comes back with a flamethrower, and like, bazookas, and it, it becomes this insane just like action sequence in the third act of this party comedy and it's really funny yeah well yeah like this is the so like early on in the movie they want to get some weed and then they get from one of the guy's uncles um there's also like this cameraman character who's just like it's like pretty funny he's just sort of like he's just like kind of like the he like lives on his own. He doesn't get a lot of characterization. He's sort of like this mysterious. He's got like the trench coat. Um yeah. he's pretty he's pretty funny for what little they they give him. I think it's kinda neat. The ending of the movie implies that like he killed his parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a really good yeah. dark bit to like someone that could easily <laughs> just be like the camera person. Like Yeah. Oh man. And then um yeah, they're like getting the weed. Um, and they end up like stealing this lawn gnome because it looks funny, and it ends up being like filled with like ecstasy. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's sort of like the reason that the uncle like wants to like get them back at the party because after he realizes they steal it, he's like chasing after them. And like, it is, I feel like moments like that really do take advantage of sort of like the found footage, uh, aesthetic of the movie where like they're in the car and then like he like like jump scares like the front of it like smashing the window as if it like and almost like filmed like a collision like a dash cam um really really neat yeah no that, all that stuff is re- really cool um it's it is an interesting film because it's one where by the end the main character like is effectively or potentially ruined his future because he definitely gets convicted of stuff and the that's a there's like a there's a great scene with like his dad who because part of it is like his dad assumes that nothing's gonna happen because his son's too much of a loser. And at the end, like as mad as he is, he's also kind of proud. He's like, like <laughs> I literally didn't think you had it in you. <laughs> he's like he's like, well, he's like, You're still fucked, but like, you know, it's yeah. He's impressed that he like got I think they say around two thousand people were there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and then this movie again, it has a lot of great bits. Like the security people are just so ineffectual, and they're just still there at the end. They're like, "So are we getting paid?" They're like, "You're not. You did such a bad job." Like it's yeah, the house is torched. Like the entire torch. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, this movie does commit one of the uh, one of the cardinal sins for me though. Um, in that uh, early on, there are two characters. Uh, playing a fighting game video game and they're clearly like pressing and mashing buttons but what they are doing is a super which just plays automatically you wouldn't be pressing any buttons during that point um jumanji the second jumanji movie also does the exact same thing it's one of my little movie nitpicks um, i hope someone got fired for that blunder for that blunder <laughs> Are we supposed to believe this is some sort of magical gaming console? Some game where you push buttons and it has an effect on the outcome? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I think he I think he pulls off the sort of like dirtbag mantra pretty well. He's like he's very like inconsiderate and like very much like is not doesn't listen to his friends and is like pushing things way too far. Um you know, but at the end, like I feel like they're like all friends. I do I feel like every I think one of my least favorite things about these sort of like party movies is that like the main character that's like anxious the whole time and then maybe they'll have like a brief moment where like they like let go and then like they're fine um but then they get anxious again like it's very brief i like that at there's like a certain point where just like and like i feel like i like it because it's so it's so like i feel like it's very like reasonable like at a certain point you're looking around and you're like there this is so like this is so like fucked like this is not getting solved at anything and like you might as well just enjoy the party yeah and i'm glad this movie kind of has that um it does sort of it does sort of get intermingled with like his like love interest (laughs) which is like i don't know if the movie really needed it um i think it probably would have i think it would have worked better as like a like friend movie with like the main the main crew and it was more about like more of like a stand by me vibe yeah Um, i think it is probably good that he gets a little win of the romance at the end because everything else is going so badly for him but at the end he does get the girl and he is very popular and voted most likely to succeed (laughs) um and then uh martin kleba who yeah yeah, gets a very memorable bit. Uh, he he's the actor who has uh, dwarfism, who is in the Pirates of the Caribbean films as like kind of one of the like pirates there, like Marty, and he hits a very funny role where he gets basically stuck in an oven, which is awful. But you're like, yeah, teenage party, sure. But then he drives the kid's dad's like car into like the pool. <laughs> yeah oh when they let him out of the oven he does like he goes on like a nut oh, shot yeah, brigade that, it's also really funny <laughs> yeah it's just like it's one of those things where it's like oh you think it's gonna be like a quick joke where he just like he just bags somebody but no he does like it for like there's like 10 people in one shot <laughs> he's just like walking out of the house and just pops everybody on the way out like I yeah, I feel like this is like this is a really really good party movie. It feels like a modern like movie like you know, there are films I think try too hard to be like what are kids like now? And this one kind of gets it. They're like they're just they're going to party and be dumb. Like it's Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just super duper super duper fun. And I- um, I will say we get so many teen movies now where the they they function basically like Judd Apatow like bridesmaids films where you know they're the first two acts are like oh wild teen behavior and then the third one is them going up and now we got to self actualize and learn lessons and I'm glad that no one really learns a lesson by the end of this movie like <laughs> yeah no it is just like it is just a party that just happens and ends and like there's no no triumphant nothing gets cleaned up at the end like nobody they probably take away like all of the worst lessons from it yeah also um, literally it's... and goes on national television like good have another party you should come just <laughs> oh what a great send out yeah uh, their 
Oh, yeah, they're one friend. And another joke where you're like, they would not do this now, but it's funny. Is like one of the kids gets off because their parents convince the court that he's mentally incapable and unfit. And then he's forced to kind of like ride the, for lack of a better term, short bus for the remainder of high school. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like kind of like the ending sort of epilogue. Yeah. Like the kind of where are they now or like what, yeah, that whole section. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so do we got any more to say on Project X? Uh, no. Um, right now it is currently sitting at the top of my Project X movie rankings. Um, yeah. hope, I wonder if it'll move up or down that list, but only time will tell. Yeah, you'll have to keep a surprise on that as you watch the other Project yeah. X films. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep tabs. The other, the 1960s one, like, looked really interesting. Like, I, I was enthralled. Yeah. All right. Wow. Look at the clock. This is I mean, one of our classic shorter episodes, but I mean, there's four movies. And... Yeah, exactly. And like, it's not like the four like kind of sh- shortish movies, but like movies that have like a very like simple like premise. You see, um, they're easy to talk about. They're all comedies, yeah. except. Um... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The help. Yeah. Um, I had never seen this movie. Um, I finished it today. Yeah. So um, we hung out like a couple of weeks ago, and you mentioned this movie, and I think like yeah, your, your girlfriend there, she was immediately gonna bring up something I'm like, no, no, he hasn't seen it. Like Ben can't know, which now you know that an important plot point of the film is that Bryce Dallas Howard eats two slices of a pie with shit in it. Like, oh yeah, that's a yeah, it's a. What a scene. Uh definitely like giving like the do like the dirtbag character there a little bit of comeuppance. Um Yeah. Uh what did you think of the movie? Yeah. This is a movie where um I I like performances in it. Um like I think Jessica Chastain's really good. Um Obviously, Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis got a lot of acclaim for the roles. So, Viola Davis kind of regrets um, her her parts. I'll say, I do think this is a movie that is um, kind of emblematic of certain kind of white savior race sort of relations movies. Where, you know, there's always someone like the Emma Stone character who, like, look, it's like, yeah. you know, th- things aren't that bad. Also. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, like, I think with movies like this, you need to be very, very careful. Yeah. Um, of, like, I, because it was weird. This movie's very strange because it's about a very, very racist time in American history. But it feels like they made very careful that like fifty percent of like the named white characters are like they're like one of the good ones like they treat them well and it's like it's just very like <laughs> yeah I don't know it's and like I don't know I if I had more time I was gonna I wanted to like watch more or read more reviews on this movie to kind of expand my horizons because it feels like it's a bit out of my wheelhouse but it does feel like a movie in that the same way that like um in the same way that Django Unchained isn't really like about 
like race relations at any point it's sort of just using that as a backdrop in the same way that like inglorious bastards uses it as a backdrop um like the world war ii as that to do like this kind of cheesy actiony movie um in the same way that like this movie like i don't feel like it says that much and it's more just it's weird it's weird that this movie is like it's more about sort of it's weirdly more I was worried, but this movie is kind of like a, almost like kind of like a dirtbag movie where it's more about this like kind of evil, bad person that needs to get their comeuppets. And it's just like, it has, it feels like it like doesn't really have a lot about the actual like political message of it. I will say, I think Bryce Ellis Howard is almost too evil to be like a dirtbag. Like she is one where like if this yeah. was best villain i'm like yeah if this was best villain give it to her in a heartbeat like awful movie but yeah she is undoubtedly like just a terrible villain like yeah and it's just like yeah it's it's one of those things where like it feels like really really it just feels very strange um like watching the movie where it's like it feels like it just feels like it just doesn't it doesn't say all that much and it's just it's using like it's clearly using like the um what's a good word for this it's using like the the imagery and the sort of um like the setting and like the it sort of waves towards like um the sort of uh politic like the uh messaging it has but it doesn't really do anything with it and it seems to be like way more uh about like it's sort of story it has and like I don't think that's necessarily, like, that's not the worst thing in the world. Like, I think Django is a really fun movie, because I think it's, like, a really well-made movie, even though I could easily throw that exact same criticism back at it, that it doesn't really say anything about, like, the, um, the, like, the stuff that it's, like, about. Um, I think the problem with this one is that, like, the performances are really good. I just don't, like, the story is just kind of, like, I don't know. It's, I don't really, I don't, it's not, it's kind of boring, and, like, I don't, a lot of the scenes feel like overly melodramatic and don't feel super real which like i would kind of enjoy i will say i get it's the time period or whatever i get it stuff but it is insane that this big movie came out where a key scene is like viola davis looking around and going you is kind you is important and everyone was like yeah this is fine let's nominate this movie for awards like best picture i don't know maybe just yeah it's yeah and like and it's like it's one of those things where like like i said like i feel like if there was like a really interesting good movie underneath that maybe it would feel a little better but i feel like it's one of those things where it's like i feel like the only thing that's or like one of like the really good things about this movie is just the performances i think they really do save this movie honestly I feel like it's one of those things where its quality makes, like, its sort of other um, not-great elements, like, even worse. Again, it's... I think Emma Stone's character, like, it's interesting in theory, where it's like, okay, she's going to come in, she's going to help him take the story, but then so much of it is on, like, her journey, and then, like, the big third-act moment is, like, her mother finally admitting how Oh, she she wasn't brave enough to like Santa for their maid and fired her, and then the maid like di- died and stuff. But she 
and then she stands up for herself and kicks up Bryce to Ellis Howard. But you're like, could this not be more about I don't know the like the other characters like the non-white yeah. characters here? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, no, of course, and like it's one of those it's one of those things that like it's weird because like it also happened in like Iron Man two where it's like you have this person that did a bad thing they did a horrible thing and like this movie feels the need to be like they did that bad thing but they tried their they were perfect after the fact they tried to do everything perfect after the fact and it's like can't you just have this character do a horrible thing like it's it's not great in marvel movies i think it's probably horrible in these kinds of movies yeah and this movie was based on a book and in the book it is kind of a thing where it like in the book the mother does not try and get like the maid back and like it is just something where like she fires her and that sort of it and in the book like Skeeter yeah she's writing this but also in her narration like she reveals that she is still kind of a segregationist like she doesn't believe in interracial marriage and all this stuff that the movie just completely like removes to make it more palatable but kind of again perpetrating this as sort of a fairy tale and something for white audiences to watch and feel better about themselves um, yeah it's yeah it's a yeah good performances but just a pretty pretty movie that doesn't fails on a lot of fronts honestly I'll say it is objectively funny but this best picture nominee of how much of it like Revol- revolves around the the terrible awful or whatever they call it and yeah oh yeah the ter- terrible uh, awful like it is funny that, that that's just a plot point that's so much of this movie and it is around the fact that it's like she ate two slices of this thing we can use this again and how they decide we include the story in the book and then she'll know who wrote it but She'll also deny that it was written about here because she doesn't want to have to admit, fine, it was me who ate those like slices. Like, but yeah, that never stops being funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, this is interesting because this film was directed by Tate Taylor, who um, went on to direct other films, very few of which, or this is kind of the only film he does that's sort of an Oscar Beatty type thing. Um, he's also known for Ma, with, which also has Octavia Spencer in it. And is like kind of just a horror film about Octavia Spencer's this, this like woman who just keeps inviting kids over to like party, but it's part of a revenge thing. Um, and it's not particularly good, but it's called Ma. And it's definitely better than this, <laughs> but but like he he does like weird thrillers like the girl on the train or his most recent film, which I actually like a lot, is called like Breaking News in Yuba County, and it it has Allison Janney who was kind of like Emma Stone's mother in this one, and it's sort of just like a basically him doing like a Coen Brothers prime caper type film, like in in a small town and. It's just very interesting that he made this. It's like, was he particularly interested in this? Was it just him going, yeah, I'll make my, like, thrillers and my dumb movies, but I want to just one-shot at Oscar glory? Like, Yeah, very, very, very strange discography. 
filmography. Um, discography oh, yeah, is sorry. for the music. It's for music. <laughs> yeah. And his upcoming thing is Mrs. American Pie. Ooh, sure hope Octavia Spencer didn't make that pie. So yeah, do we have anything else to say on the help? Um, yeah, no, it's just a, just a, did this, did this win the Oscars? It didn't, no, it, it didn't, um, Octavia Spencer won. Oh, okay, that's, okay, that's good. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. And then, the, yeah, yeah, so, her, Vi- Viola Davis, and then Jessica Chastain all kind of got nominated, and then it also got a Best Picture nomination, I believe this is one of the early years where they had expanded the category to 10 movies. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll say Chastain yeah. is kind of, kind of like, if you have to focus on a white character, do it more kind of on her journey more of her sort of being kind of the outcast in this group of women, women and sort of slowly realizing, no, she doesn't need them. And having this husband who initially, you're not sure about him because she's like, no, she he can't ever find out I like hired you but then it turns out he knew all along and he's just like a nice guy like <laughs> that was such a weird part of the movie where he's just he's just so okay about everything despite being like built up as this big threat yeah and then he's like oh yeah no come away which helps oh yeah another weird element of this film is octavia spencer's off-screen abusive husband just yeah it's like it's brought up like once in the beginning and then it's sort of like it's like sparked out like a little bit and then right at the end it's sort of like just solved. I think you hear him a couple times off stream like yeah. like a movie monster you don't get to see. <laughs> like what is what were you hoping to accomplish with this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just what a maybe it was something from the book. It must have been something from the book that just didn't have time to be fleshed out, maybe. Um, with that, we can move on. So, one one thing that I always kind of remember is after she was in the help, Octavia Spencer appears in sort of a late late series run of Thirty Rock, where the joke is she is essentially playing like herself, but if she acted like uh, Tracy Morgan's character on the show, is this something where Tracy's trying to direct a film and she's in it and just acting erratic and now he's getting like a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I bring that up because there is another notable actually Jason Sudeik is also in a 30 Rock episode and I don't think anyone from Project X was but Bridesmaids also had a notable appearance from John Hamm who yeah, who who appeared pretty early onto the show's run as a recurring thing as a love interest for Tina Fey's character who eventually is revealed is just so handsome that he's never had to learn anything and he's one of the dumbest people alive. <laughs> Which, I bring this up because it was sort of an early hint that, oh, this guy's really funny. He could do comedy. <laughs> Which I think helped lead to like his very brief but funny appearance as a real dirtbag in Bridesmaid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Man. Uh, yeah, he is very brief. I definitely thought um like on screen dirt big was going to be um was the was like the girl like the new girl for the friend group um uh roseburn yeah i thought it was going to be her because like i had not i hadn't looked at the list when i was watching these um 
And it's it's very it was very funny to realize, oh, it's John Hamm. It's like the guy that's in like a handful of scenes in this movie. Um But you know what? I think he is again, I feel like this is one that like would have been laughable as like a villain, I feel. Like this one is just one that would not have made any sense in that category. But like as a dirtbag, just so funny. Just like the way he the way he says things and like the way it's like, oh man, uh, you should get going. Like, you know, like, oh, it's been so lovely. And just like goes back to sleep. Um, I think it's just like very, very funny. Yeah. It, this is something where, and I think Bridesmaids, I watched relatively early and that was one where I'm like, oh, right. This isn't best villain. Like the kind of expectations are different. I was like, it's funny you spent the whole film kind of looking at Rose Byrne, because I think that's one of the interesting things this movie does is where it kind of sets her up as, well, she is sort of the antagonist of the film, but then by the end, you do kind of feel for her, and you get a sense of where she's coming from, and she winds up being kind of an ally and friend. Um, Yeah. There's sort of like a, a turning point. Um... Yeah, there's like a turning point where she there the bride is nowhere to be found and like we need to find her and like they're at the end of their rope and they sort of have to like come together. Um it's a bit rushed. There's like not much. Um I feel like like it's just one of those things where it's like um I think it does come down to like the performances that sell it like decently well. Um I do like this movie that, like, I like it that, like, it's immediately apparent that, like, I really believe that they're friends. Like, the, the um, who are, like, the main two, the names uh, are escaping me. Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, who, of course, were yeah. on SNL together for a few years. And, but, yeah, you do kind of get that friendship chemistry. Uh, Kristen Wiig co-wrote this movie with Annie Mamolo, who they eventually started together in Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but it is great. It's really weird and funny. Um, yeah, no. Um, I I freaking love this movie. I thought it was super duper funny. Um, I really liked um, the cop guy. Yeah, well, well, well. Yeah. Ben likes cops. <laughs> Listen, he he even said himself like he's one of the good ones. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris, yeah, the IT crowd's Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's like it's one of those things where it's like the the love interest in this movie. Like this movie is more about just like the the friend group and like the wedding and like it's. I feel like the love interest is probably it's probably like the second most important thing. But like I feel like the movie didn't need it per se. Um, but I'm glad it did. I thought it was very, very charming. I thought it was just like very cute. I really liked it. Um, it's just like, it was just like very like sweet. Um, yeah, this is a film that often gets held up as like one of Apatow's best. And as this one where I think because it was built up so much by the time I saw it, I'm never like, oh yeah, this, this does live up to everything, but I do think it's really good, like, as much as I kind of have, as I said, said during the Project X segment, I've kind of gotten tired of movies where it's like, 
the first two acts are wacky comedy, and then suddenly the third act, we drop the jokes and they self-actualize and do this. I do think it's effective here. Um, especially Judd Apatow mm. movies so known for having their like man children and having Kristen Wiig's character who, you know, it's not like she's a woman child, but just she has like issues in her life that she's not willing to face until she kind of hits rock bottom. And Yeah. Um, I also like Melissa McCarthy in this movie was so funny. She did um, get Oscar nominated for this. Yeah, it is. I like, I think with like, I was like really worried. Um, cause I think like the first joke she gets is just like, it's like kind of like, it's like a, it's like a light fat joke almost where it's like, she's like, oh yeah, I don't bloat. Like I'm like physically incapable. And I was like, is this going to be the whole character? And I was going to, I was like, I was about to, I was getting ready for grown city, but like, no, like she's just like the most insane character and is so funny. And is like works for like the government at like the highest level. Um, just like the scene on the plane where she sits next to that guy and just like goes like, Hey, I saw you didn't have any bags. Like, I know you were like a, was it like a something Marshall? Um, <laughs> and then like it's her husband ben falcone oh my gosh that's so funny that they're <laughs> ultimately went on to direct several movies with her in it like <laughs> i've kind of grown to resent him because i think this film definitely sort of melissa mccarthy and rose Byrne's careers really sort of jumpstarted as a result of this film rose Byrne gets like neighbors a couple years later and melissa mccarthy like it's all the sign all these things but then she suddenly becomes the lead of like all the stuff that her all these films her husband did which i uh for some reason like i'm like i've watched i've seen super intelligence and i've seen thunder force and both of them are like really bad i've seen thunder force twice for some reason um and i haven't seen happy time murders oh i guess you didn't direct that one but like it's just, well, so far, we still being in films with your husband, but that said, he is really funny as, like, kind of the air marshal in it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's such a, it's such a funny joke. Because, like, the joke is initially that, like, Melissa McCarthy's character is just harassing this random guy on the airplane who's just, like, very sick of this. But then it turns out, like, later, like, oh, he is an air marshal. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is just so funny. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, like, a very very sweet scene and like i like the scene where melissa carthy is just like is just there um uh yeah for uh christian wake's character and it's yeah just they like, actually become kind of friends yeah and she's like yeah and she just like has this like like as much as the movie is like going through its phase of like all right this is the turning point where people like need to like you know self-actualize like things need to like happen i feel like it's like i kind of like the way they at least go about that change where it's essentially her just going like just like beating her up and just going like hey like fight for this like come on like what are you doing like stopping just sad sack um which is just like yeah yeah i think that's pretty i think it's, it was very very funny very in character um yeah just a very much very much like this movie yeah, that bit's good. And then I also like kind of the acting. It, it does sort of draw, drop off a bit, but you have like Ellie Kemper as this kind of newlywed, and then Wendy McClendon Covey as like this sort of more older experienced woman, and they get kind of this odd couple friendship going on. And yeah. Like, she kind of <laughs> takes her under her wing. Like, 
it's really funny and um, <laughs> eventually we will talk about this for gut-wrenching moment for like what is indeed a very the very gross set piece of them all getting sick in the wedding dresses um, <laughs> actually Samaya Rudolph defecating in the street which is really funny <laughs> <laughs> huh <laughs> Rebel Wilson has a bit role. Just yeah. Oh my gosh! And who's the? And then is it? See the actor who plays like her, her like brother. Oh, Matt, Matt Lucas. Um, and they just they just have like these like I don't know, just these little, these little like they're um the Christian Wiggs characters like roommates, and they just have these like little like uh like one-liners sort of like in, in these little like transitional scenes that are they're usually like pretty funny like kind of near the end where it's like hey like you need to move out like we think it's like you know like people and it's kind of weird like a brother and sister living together like with a roommate like so this so in the life so like we're just gonna you know live on our own without you <laughs> <laughs> yeah Matt Lucas has a really funny look <laughs> he's just yeah, he's... With, like raw with rebel yeah. wilson's whole thing as well. i really yeah i I think it's like very. He looks kind of like the the Tweedledum and Tweedledee from uh, <laughs> the Alice in Wonderland that we watched. He was Tweedledum. That and Tweedledee makes so much more sense. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that that's why I was, I don't know why I don't know why, but I I always think that Tweedledum and Tweedledee. I always think they're Jesse Eisenberg because he kind of has that. At least in the that. Are movie. you thinking of when he played Lex Luthor? Just... Maybe, maybe it's just any any bald guy. It just looks like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. <laughs> yeah, no, that is Matt Lucas playing those characters. That makes so much up. sense. <laughs> yeah, and then Tim Heidecker is like. Maya Rudolph's like fiance. Wilson Phillips shows up at the end of the movie for like a, a really good bit where they're going to perform, and Maya Rudolph's dad is so mad at all this stuff he does not want to have to pay for. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. I do like his. That's the thing. It sets up this rivalry, and it sets up, well, Roseburn is really good at like party planning, which both becomes her insecurity that she's so good at this that she worries that's the only reason anyone ever like hangs out with her but then it also becomes the thrust where she uh, she likes things so extravagant but the thing is Maya Rudolph going all of this costs way too much money we're way in over our head <laughs> which, which is a good way I think a good way to have that be you know it's more interesting than just oh she was a jerk the whole time like <laughs> saying no she's very good at what she does but what she does is maybe too much for like Maya Rudolph's ambitions <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then again, John Hamm, just a really fun spice on top of this for his yeah. couple scenes. Yeah, very not in it very long and like just like but you know what he does he does a lot with a little. Um yeah, I'm trying to think how many has John Hamm must have must is must have shown up before in the podcast, right? Um I mean, he is more of a TV person. Yeah. Than, I feel like, has he shown up? He um, must have, He's not... Is he... No, he's not in Ted. That's Patrick Orburn. 
if TV was in here sooner, I feel he yeah. could have popped up for like um, yeah his unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt role, which is yeah. oh yeah, really goes kind of villainy. Yeah, and Shrek Forever After. That's what he was. Yeah, oh, I was about to say. Yeah, okay, there we go. We got <laughs> make sure we get some John Hamm reps in. Yeah, yeah, and then um. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they bring back on-screen dirtbag for his army officer in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah. Right now, I want to make sure. Okay, it's back. Yeah. There might be a bit of a gap there. I might have to realign it. All right, so do we got anything else to say about Bridesmaids? Yeah, that's all I had to say. Very, very funny movie. Um, I think I had seen it before, but I had not, um, I had not remembered how much I liked it. Yeah, no, this film's really good. Um, and now the time has come to rank these movies. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, you know what, this week, I don't feel like there were any, there weren't any, like, I feel like even the bottom movie, like, has, like, redeemable stuff. But um, I think at the bottom, I do have the help. Um just like yeah just kind of fumbles you know um you know just not aside from the acting just like very like i don't know i think i'll always i don't know i very much prefer more um at least for a movie of like kind of this subject matter more like quiet like i'm not a big fan of like every scene having like this this big emotional music in the background and it's like I kind of would much more like it if it was a little more muted. Um, yeah, but then above that, um, I have the polar opposite of muted, uh, something like Project X. Um, just like, you know what? It's it's very, very good. I feel like it's a short movie, and I feel like that's very important. I felt like when I was done, I would seen it all, and I was very, very happy with it. Um, and then for my top two, um, I think I have in my number two spot, I think I have Horrible Bosses. Just, like, very, very funny. Just a funny movie. Good characters. Good actors. Um, Charlie Day doing a wonderful job, as as always. Really, just just can't get enough of that guy. I need to watch more uh, Philadelphia. Uh, and then right at the top, I have Bridesmaids. Just, like, a movie that just, like... I just has so many, just, like, pillars of stuff I enjoy that are, like, holding it up. Like, I... I like... Uh, I like... Um, Chris... Chris O'Dowd. Or... Yeah, uh, the cop, but, um, yeah, and then, yeah, those are my movies. How did the movies shake out for you? Uh, pretty similar. Yeah, the bottom, the help, uh, I think you are kinder to it than I, like, bad movie, like, it's, come on, I'm, I'm glad that, well, I mean, I don't think we really move past having the help type films, but I'd like to hope we, at the very least, oh, I'm like, oh, well, at least we don't know the name for awards, and I'm like, no, wait, Green Book won stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, we're not quite out of it yet, yeah. but fingers crossed. Um, Above the Help, Probably Horrible Bosses, which is a movie where, yeah, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as I wanted to, but Charlie Day is just incredible in it. It's got some great performances in it, just really enjoyable. And then above that, 
Project X, just really funny, really grand scale. It make another kind of movie where no one learns a lesson and they just have a really great party. And then, yeah, Bridesmaids gets that top spot. Like, it's fun, it's sweet. Like, and even though there's lesson learning, it's still funny, which is very important for me. But how did the dirt bags shake out? Yeah, I uh, so for the dirt bags, honestly, you know, the movies may not have all been uh, great, but I feel like the dirt bags really came in, uh, came in shining. Um, it's really tough. These are all really close, but I think at the bottom, just for screen time alone, I probably have to put bridesmaids, um, just cause he's just not in it a ton. Um, but I feel like he nails that sort of like, kind of like, I want to say subtle, but not really like <laughs> subtle for like an over the top comedy, maybe, um, kind of like dirt bagginess, uh, that I really like with John Hamm. Uh, and then I think above that, I think I will have uh, Horrible Bosses Colin Farrell. Um, just, yeah, just again, much like John Hamm, just doing a lot with a little. He just had a little bit more little than John Hamm had. Um, and also, like, just like also just a little bit more of a of a dirtbag in general. Um, above that one, smack dab in the middle, I think I would have... Um, Oliver Cooper from Project X. Um, I think it's one of those things where, like, I feel like he's, like, very inconsiderate. And, like, he's, like, pretty fun to watch. I think that archetype of character is very not funny to me. Like, very, like, very much don't like it. Just not fun for me to watch. And I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate watching him in this. And then, but I also feel like he loses a couple dirtbag points, you know, for being such a, for being such a good friend, you know, for being, you know, there for him at least at some points um and then for my top two it's really tough there's a really like good strong contenders for the top um and it is it is honestly so it is really really tough because i feel like if it was hmm i almost want to give it like a tie but i think hmm it's really tough because if it were villain it would be very easy. It would very much go to um, uh, Bryce from uh, the help. But I think for the fact that it's dirtbag, is it's giving me pause. It's giving me, you know, kind of like a hard time. Because, like, they're both not... They're both kind of, like, pretty evil people. Like, they're both people that would have made it on villains' lists. But I think if it came down to it, this probably will flip-flop a bunch. But I think I do have to put... Um, Jennifer Aniston in second with um, Bryce Dallas above that, uh, at least for this, at least for right now. Um, both very, very good, though. Very, very close. And then how did, yeah, you know, the, yeah. Uh, how did your dirt bags shake out? Um, honestly, pretty different, I think, just, but I'll, I'll explain that. In mine, in my mind, like dirtbag, as I said, it's something where I, you know, them having like small amounts of screen time is not necessarily a detriment for me. Also, yeah, um, when it came to it, the thing about a dirtbag is they're fun, they're fun to watch, kind of, which is why near my near my bottom, 
I I think I actually do have like, or yeah, it is a toss up. But I might just have Rice Alice Howard at at the bottom because like she, it's a really good villain performance. But as I said, she's so evil, it's hard to even really enjoy her as like a dirtbag because like she's just an awful person. Like it's there's hmm. a chance to revise that, but I feel okay with that for now. And John Hamm above that. As much as I just said, yeah, screen time doesn't matter. I do kind of wish he was in it a bit more, but I think he makes an impression. And then above that, probably uh, Casa Project X. It's like you said, he's almost too good of a friend, but he is kind of a dirtbag in specific ways. Like, we didn't even mention the bit where at the end they're like, oh yeah, there's at least three paternity tests that are kind of looking for him by the end where you're like, oh yeah, no, he he is a dirtbag. As much as he seems to have redeeming qualities of a kind, which leads us to the horrible bosses people where I will say Aniston is great, like does a really good job. It's fun that she like specifically got a wig that's darker than a regular hair color so she could be kind of more villainous with it, but think by virtue of the she is almost more of a villain i kind of got to give it up to colin farrell here who is just so committed to his performance and i think really is kind of just the dirtbag of the hour for me yeah no i feel like best dirtbag definitely brings more interpretation than best villain almost um yeah i feel like yeah which maybe makes it more interesting than the ways we're like, yeah, no, these these are the same. Like it's dead baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. All right. So that that wraps up um best on screen dirtbag twenty twelve. Ne- next year, of course, we'll be back to best villains. But before we talk about that, it's time for recommendation of the week. So what do you got this week, Ben? Oh man, I had not been thinking about that uh you do yours and i will find something great um this week i'm going to recommend high school um it is on amazon prime for canada uh amazon freebie for the states it is a show um it is produce. it is an adaption of tegan and sarah's memoir of the same name largely created by uh, actress and filmmaker clea Duvall. um it is kind of about a young teenage like Tegan and Sarah played by these twins whose their their names I don't have them on me right now but basically Tegan and Sarah found them on like TikTok and they weren't even really musical at first but they're like that's fine we were we weren't either so um Rayleigh and Season Gilliland and they're kind of just playing these young girls like in suburban Calgary, sort of coming onto their own and starting to discover their like sexuality, and uh, Kobe Smulders is their mom, and Kyle Bornheimer is their stepdad, and they're both doing like really great dramatic work, and it it's the kind of show where like they don't pick up a guitar at all until the fifth episode of the eight episode run, but the stuff with them kind of like exploring and getting like and the episodes are split into segments so sometimes you're getting here's tegan's perspective and here's sarah's or here's like tegan's perspective and then here's their mom's perspective like 
and it's just it's a really fun show it's really interesting it's like really complex complex in in ways that are compelling and yeah it's like it's eight episodes they're all like 20 to the 30 minutes they're really good it was filmed in calgary um where i live and there's a lot of references to like calgary and alberta things that always just made me very happy whenever they came up um so yeah that's what i got uh have you figured it out yeah uh i guess what i'll recommend it is um, uh, the games I've been playing recently. So I recently beat God of War Ragnarok, and that was really fun. And I remember between when that before that was coming out, I said I was just gonna play the original three. Um, and now that I've beaten Ragnarok, I'm kind of going back and I'm playing all of like the spin-off PSP games. Um, that have like ports for PS3, obviously. Um, and I think I'll recommend uh, the two that come out that are on that one, uh, the Origins Collection, uh, Chains of Olympus and Ghosts of Sparta. Um, they're just really fun. It's just more. It's more just more or less more of God of War One, which is very fun. Very different from like the reboot. Um, writing is clearly not as good, but the combat's really really fun. And it's kind of neat. You get the little little backstory. So, those are the two games I'm going to recommend because they were pretty fun. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah. No, cool. So, with that, I think we're here on plugs. Um, what do you got to plug? Yeah. Uh, as always, I have my Twitter and Instagram. But what I can give you is just my link tree that's got it all. It should be... Um, it's not loading, so if I can go by memory. Uh, L I N K T R dot E E slash G H A K K E R, and that should have pretty much everything I've ever had is on there. Um, That's... And even my letterbox that I'm slowly but surely trying to fill with all the movies that we watch for this podcast. That's linktra.e slash gacker. <laughs> cool. And you can find me on Twitter at like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterboxd, which I do update all the time. Also, I like a Wolverine. I'm taking a film class right now, and we watched like short, yeah, some short films re recently, like just really short, silent ones. And Got some good reviews on Prahal of like calling the arrival of a train film that everyone's always like, then they were scared of the train, the Skinema Rink of 1896. Um, yeah, uh, Rink Ben, uh, indie horror film film near your neck of the woods in Edmonton. Ooh, you know. Yeah, really gone like pretty, yeah, pretty viral, but for being sort of liminal horror. Uh, anyways, with that, um, oh yeah. You can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod, our Instagram, which I am trying to get better at, like uh, updating, is yeah, Pass the Golden Popcorn. Um, you can email us at passthegoldenpopcorn at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Matt Samard. Our artwork is by Ben. Um, yeah, we are on Friendly Mush. They have cool stuff there, um, other podcasts and things. And. Yeah, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. 
And all that's left to do is talk about what's coming up next. So, for Best Villain 2013, as we said, big blockbuster year, um, lots of big stuff. The nominees for that year are Javier Bardem, Guy Fall, Marianne Cotillard, The Dark Knight Rises, Leonardo DiCaprio, Django Unchained, Tom Hardy, The Dark Knight Rises, and the winner, Tom Hiddleston in The Avengers. Ooh. It'll be nice to sort of come back to watch that. I think it's been a while since I've seen The, the Avengers, the first one. Yeah, fun movie. Um, We watched that in theaters together, didn't we? Like when it was re-released during um, Pandemic Time? Thinks maybe oh maybe we did we did like we yeah. saw that one in Birds of Prey um, yeah oh that was so interesting I like that yeah. yeah but you know the that'll that'll do it for this week um thanks for listening keep passing that golden popcorn and you know just remember the on screen jerk bag baby baby. Listen to John Ham, other stuff, baby, with me. (laughs) (laughs) Classic song. (laughs) 